Hola, and welcome to La Receta, a podcast that highlights the hidden stories of Latinx talent across different industries, used to create awareness and inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Miguel Lopez Ixta. Today we will be talking to Brenda Madrigal, an illustrator and motion designer from the Portland area about her journey and navigating the design industry. Hola, buenas tardes. Um, hoy estoy aquí con Brenda um, y es el tercer episodio que vamos a tener. Um, así que bienvenida, si te sí, quieres introducir. Un placer, introducir. gracias. Um, and we'll just take it as Spanglish, English, Spanish, Spanish whatever works for you. <laughs> Yo hablo español y no hay ningún problema. All right, um, pues me llamo Brenda Madrigal. I am a first-generation Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Pomona, California, so SoCal. Oh, um, do you know SoCal? <laughs> um, I didn't grow up in SoCal. Oh, okay, um, okay. I She's didn't you know. I didn't know SoCal was a thing or... Um, mm. Until I until I was in adult, I was raised in Camby, Oregon. Okay. Um, I always used to go to the Camby River. When I was <laughs> yeah, I know what the Camby River is. It's a nice and small a small town, um, which it was a great upbringing. Mm-hmm. My mom brought me up um, up here because of the fact that um, she was a teen mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she came from Morelia, Michoacan. Um, uh, in the 90s. I'm from Michoacan, too. Yeah? Yeah, I'm from Apatzingan, though. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. Yeah, that's not, that's not that caliente, far. Tierra caliente. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, and so my mom was a teen mom, and she, with kind of a little bit of a background, my family kind of comes from a very middle-class um, system in, in Mexico, mm. with, when when Mexico still had a middle class. Yeah. Um, and I had this interesting situation with my mom that she and she came became pregnant at 17 Mm. and when you're kind of living in a very i guess classist society Mm -hmm. that was not like like approved in my in the eyes of my grandparents Uh so my grandparents told my mom like you know you need to go to you need to go Mm. and the only one who was actually up here in the u.s was my aunt um she was already married and so my mom was like okay so i'll just come here so that is the only reason why i landed in pomona california Mm -hmm. but um my mom kind of was analyzing the the space Mm -hmm. because she was coming from mexico speaking only spanish she was only 17 um, turning 18 really young really (laughs) really really young yeah um so she kind of like saw and analyzed what was going on around there at the time like this is 94 Mm -hmm. um she just noticed a lot of latinos were not like you know in school and kind of like she met a lot of latinos or uh, specifically mexican who didn't speak spanish or Mm -hmm. and like in the system and my mom's like um, this is not where I want to be at. I don't like this environment for me, myself, and or I think for my for my child. Mm-hmm. So she came up here. Um, I stayed um, for two years with my aunt. I was like two or three, and then mm-hmm. I came up here at three, and I have been up here ever since. I have two siblings um, who are 21 and 20, and I have a dad, and we all grew up living in Canby. I went to Canby. Awesome. Yeah, so my whole experience has only been in Canby. And so you went to Canby High School? Then? Yes, I went to Canby High School. I am class of 2012. I loved my upbringing in Canby because it was such a specific experience because Canby uh-huh. um, is very... Uh, it's changed now uh, for demographics, but um, it was... A big population was Caucasian. Mm. It wasn't until, like, I think um, until I was in third grade, like, a big wave of Latinos came Mm. and immigrated to this town. And even though my 
like at my household I spoke Spanish you know I understood that was Mexican-American my parents made sure I understood that upbringing mm-hmm. um I was kind of given like a little weird leeway that you meet Mexicans coming from Mexico yeah. that they kind of tell you, wait, yeah. Español, pero no eres Mexicana. Yeah. and I was like, mm, my mom tells me I am, wait, <laughs> no, <laughs> I thought I was like, I thought that's what I was. And I had a hard, hard time adapting yeah. to that kind of um, mentality that a lot of people kind of come from Mexico with a different perspective. Yep. And then I was in the realm of, you know, being with all my classmates and speaking English mm-hmm. and speaking Spanish and then kind of mm-hmm. like was kind of put in this like I think spot or reminder that you know mm-hmm. hey yeah you might look Mexican but you're not Mexican enough to hang out with us mm-hmm. so that was kind of one of like the weirdest experiences I had growing up as a, yeah. a as a kid That's as a teen yeah. and, and I'm sure a lot of kids you know feel that I yes oh my god so <laughs> that's how I did not know that was going to happen with mm. my life and um i kind of had that experience my life through elementary school and then middle school was not a fun time mm. middle school was such a weird time where everybody's just trying to figure themselves out right yeah. and my upbringing was in the household speaking spanish mm. i consumed both american and you know Lati- latino america culture mm-hmm. um so i kind of had both both analogies of kind of like adapting to what is it to i think grow up right in the yeah. u.s i thought that was pretty normal mm-hmm. of like you know understanding hormones understanding like what is to be cool what is to be awkward what is it to be like almost like one of my biggest idols is mm-hmm. lizzie mcguire right mm-hmm. um lizzie mcguire was a big um influence for a lot of like 2000s um kids and i enjoyed that but then when we hit middle school i saw everybody not knowing where their place was at yeah. and i think that's everybody's everybody falls into trying that trying to figure it out trying yeah. to figure it out right but a lot of latinos um specifically where i was growing up who were mexican fell into what the american system was kind of telling us mm. who we were like you know like oh we were troublemakers or we were the unknown or mm-hmm. you know or how when we talked about latinas specifically they would talk about us in like sexualizing us or mm-hmm. you know we had the attitude or we were you know teen pregnancy and i was i i think i was so overwhelmed by that mm-hmm. and i saw a lot of my classmates do that who were latina yeah. and i was like they're not even allowing themselves to be kids anymore yeah. um so again i kind of confided in my um caucasian peers my white peers however you want to call them um because can is um still primarily caucasian mm-hmm. um and so i adapted to that a lot easier because they were more understanding that we we're all awkward we're all uncomfortable mm-hmm. or we don't know what we're doing and i embraced that and throughout high school i enjoyed that more mm. um there's another thing my mom kind of told me as an adult later mm-hmm. um that since i was bullied a lot in middle school mm-hmm. and including elementary school my mom um later on in life told me like I think it would have benefited you to grow up in Mexico Mm. because specifically the way I was raised in in my household was my mom raised me um, as somebody from Mexico Mm. um, someone from Morelia Educado de la Ciudad you know Mm. uh, a convivir con gente a ser abierta and um, when you meet other Mexicans who come actually a lot of people who immigrate here come from you know specific areas with cousins with family members with the community already from from Mexico up here and I didn't have that my mom literally was the only one up here so Mm. (laughs) and then it was just my dad and my siblings you know so I didn't have I guess quote-unquote that community Mm, and I was excluded because I guess I didn't meet their criteria of what was Mexican Mm. or whatever their own subculture is in in where they're from 
And that was, I think, difficult for me. Mm. That's why I was like, I don't like how you're treating me. Peace. <laughs> so if you're, um, so, yeah, so you felt that, you know, you weren't Mexican enough. Well, people, you Yeah, know, people would tell me that. You weren't Mexican enough. And then, so you are kind of stuck in this place, right, where you're trying to figure, like, yourself out. Trying yes. to figure, like, all right, so where do I belong? Yeah. Um, How was it, like, you know, like, being in that middle place? Like, damn, like, even, like, specifically, like, in high school, like. I think it was a really comforting place to understand how you're gonna be and mm. where you want to be at um my mom always told me treat people the way you want to be treated so i thought like okay i want to be treated with respect i want to treat people with kindness i want to mm-hmm. show that and be some sort of representation in that way mm-hmm. and so when people would talk to me people would be see like you're so nice you're so kind you're so yeah. open-minded and like i'm like that's kind of the point i embraced consuming more of the i guess western values mm. i guess what would be uh, the american values of you know being friendly being open-minded always you know having a seat at the table mm-hmm. even though i can understand now as an adult that that was that was not everybody's experience mm-hmm. um yeah and that's very difficult because a lot of mexicans on the other end where we sometimes fall into the mindset that we are not always welcome to the conversations mm-hmm. or we're not welcome to yeah, have a, com- a lot of the cases there's a lot of cases of that that you know like we are not allowed to like like the same things or like the same consumption mm-hmm. of music and um but i never thought that i was supposed to be one thing or the other mm-hmm. my mom and dad made it clear you know embrace both because my parents um didn't know english mm-hmm. at first and they didn't want me to to shame myself and then shame others who didn't know the language and mm-hmm. actually why don't you help out find a way to help out your community in the mm-hmm. mo- most smallest way when you hear somebody struggling ordering a coffee at starbucks mm-hmm. that, that was my mom's like yeah. i think education for me and that was really important and i think that was mature of, mm-hmm. m- of my mom to it kind of implant in me yeah. and i kind of that helped me out grow from being like really uncomfortable and like mm-hmm. nervous all the time with uh within myself in middle school and then in high school i kind of knew what I liked. As a freshman, I did cheerleading. I did mm. ballet. I did jazz. Um, my mom put my energy in that. She, she was a big pusher. Mm. Um, that caused a lot of sometimes con- conflictions with my mom because this kind of comes a little bit later as an adult. Yeah. Um, my mom pushed me to always try to find myself and feeling comfortable with myself. And cheerleading did that for me as a freshman. Mm. Oh, my God. I did cheerleading, and I embraced the the culture within it like mm. doing the dance routines the workout routines and connecting with girls and um being friends with everybody it, it was kind of like what you would what i envisioned what was like being a cheerleader like and bring it on not to the cliche of like mm-hmm. being mean or, or or catty but you know embracing and growth i understood mm-hmm. that and my mom saw the confidence in me boost because I mean, it was really uncomfortable and awkward mm-hmm. in middle school my mom saw that it complete 180 like it helped me um feel comfortable with myself and then when I did um jazz and ballet though I'm not perfect at dancing Mm -hmm. it was it was helpful for me to um try to build up this self-confidence that a lot of um my Latino peers kind of like try to push me down on Mm -hmm. um so I came from a very experience with my Latino peers being bullied Mm. um something that has like a lot of people don't ever really speak about it's a thing it's a thing it's a thing but my mom I think I think she only knew what to give me was yeah. like you need to find some self love and self value and self worth mm-hmm. and I think she did the best she could yeah because she had limited knowledge of what else to to do because my mom was like super confident and was friends with everybody in Mexico mm. so my mom couldn't understand me she's like I don't understand you like 
why are you having problem, problems with kids? Why are yeah. you, why are girls bothering you? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, they keep saying, yo soy rara, yo soy diferente. Yeah. And my mom's like, pero, pero es, si eres diferente. And I'm like, but that doesn't help me. You're telling me yeah. I'm different. Everybody tells me I'm different. I'm feeling mm. isolated again. So, um, with that isolation, I think, um, even a little bit of part of it was happening in high school. Uh-huh. I found my thing. I think my thing, what I liked in high school, which was, um, design. Mm. I did some design competitions. I did the design classes and I, what, what was it about it that you liked? Um, it made sense. Mm. It was common sense to me. It's mm-hmm. common sense to create something, create something that a lot of people don't think about mm. and make it come to life mm. you hear sometimes people's ideas and hear people out what they think they want and then mm. you can try to um analyze and kind of hone down what they want mm. and then bring it to life however that, you think to me seems so hard it is very hard, so hard it is <laughs> very hard because you try to think you know the answer mm. and then sometimes you think you have the answer and sometimes you don't and and that's that's it's always a 50 50 shot mm. i ended up realizing in this when i thought about this long term, but I was really good at it in high school, and I was kind of encouraged by one instructor mm-hmm. to go to college. Mm. And my town, my upbringing at the school, everybody kind of encouraged higher education. Mm. So, you know, you hear that, you're like, okay, cool, mm. college, why not? But no one talked to the Latino kids, specifically yeah. also to being Mexican, first generation. Um, speaking Spanish as your home language and you you telling them openly you speak Spanish I was classified under the ELD program mm. they put me with all the Latinos specifically who are also newcomers which is was really difficult I was part of that program too right yeah. and um <clears throat> there's there's some pros and cons for that I agree that it does help out a, a couple students but yeah. does not help out those who are already here who are born here mm. and you know they it's not like we can't learn english but they kind of felt that way you know and mm. um i think it's a, it's its own system its own its own situation but because i was viewed as even though i can tell you this wonderful story that all my and that all my caucasian peers were wonderful to the eyes of the adults um the majority of them viewed me as you know oh you know you're a latina you're still mexican mm-hmm. you kind of you know they just didn't know how to, I think, connect with me or want to mm-hmm. until this one one teacher who told me, um, hey, you know, you, you seem like you have a good talent of this. Keep developing it. And she, well, I stayed with her throughout my whole high school education. I mm-hmm. tried junior year, tried to figure something out, you know, mm-hmm. like like some science class or something pointless. I did not like mm-hmm. science. And then I when I was reemerged with conversation about um, college after high school, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about what what does that look like for Mm -hmm. me i was like i don't know what that looks like so and nobody talked to us about what was financial aid Mm -hmm. now remember i was in high school from 2008 to to 2012 we were barely getting the statistics of hearing about latinos graduating Mm -hmm. um high school we were we were getting the numbers that we were finally up to the 70 percent that's a big difference from like in the 90s where a lot of latinos were dropping out of high school Mm. um so but still, that the conversation wasn't still implanted of like, oh, maybe we should have, you know, a financial aid um, evening class for not only English speaking parents, but also Spanish speaking parents. Mm. What does that all look like? And how does that all look terrifying too? Because yeah. nobody really wants to talk to the community or engage in the community of like the unspoken truth Mm. of how people you know some people are undocumented how some people don't have a social security number Mm. right those were conversations nobody knew how to have 
then. Yeah. Um, so that was a big disadvantage for me. I heard, you know, uh-huh. just because, you know, all your classmates are talking like, oh, yeah, did you do, the, do this, do that, do this? It just um, happened to, yeah. And I was just like, what's going on? Okay. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. I was told, apply for a scholarship. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And it's like, right, where do I go? Where do where I do find I, it? Right. Yeah. Where, where's my resources? Yeah. Who do I t- connect with or talk with? And this high school teacher, she, um, her name is, um, well, she got married. Her name's Anna Noel. She told me, you know, just write an essay. I'll write you a recommendation letter and just ask me, ask the same thing for two other, other good teachers you mm-hmm. get along with. And by that time I was already involved with my, um, my church. Uh, and since I was already getting confirmed for, uh, cause I'm Catholic, mm-hmm. I was going through that process. I was like, okay, I'll ask my, my leader at my classes. Like maybe I am a, you know, being a, a good volunteer in the, mm-hmm. at the church, maybe I'll look good on that. I didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. And on top of that, no one tells you until later you find out um, that certain scholarships ask you for certain kind of people, certain yeah. kind of recommendations, certain wording. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but I did anything I could possible to find a way, I think, to make college happen, mm. right? Um, my mom was like, how are you going to go to, I guess, um, touring uh, mm-hmm. for universities and colleges? Yeah. Because my mom actually didn't have the access to communicate to anybody about going to college. Mm. My mom didn't start going to college until she was 26. Mm. And she uh, graduated with her associates. But whenever she wanted to conversate with anybody, she was told, like, you know, there's no scholarships for your kind. Mm. Or, you know, there's no there is no support for, you know, Latina moms or Latino parents or, you know, trying to get... My mom had no support. And this mm. my mom was... And so my mom didn't know how to have that conversation with me as an as a teenager yeah. either and so imagine your emotions your hormones you're yeah. trying to figure out so how to finish high school trying mm-hmm. to get along with it it was difficult but i found myself in this space where i thought okay if all my white peers are somehow making it figuring it out and i mean they don't even know what they're doing too yeah. but they figured out the vocabulary and development and who but, to ask. but then they also do have the advantage you know? they do have they the do advantage. Have big advantage they had a big advantage because their parents at least knew how to fill out the financial aid right yeah. they knew who to ask what i did was just hear them and i was just like how are they wording yeah. their essays who are they? How are they talking? But I, at least because I did all these random things, my mm-hmm. mom put me in cheer. My mom put me in dance. I was involved in my church. I was doing all these little yeah. things. And I was like, okay, I have to organize myself and present myself. And so that, that's crazy. That, you know, the, you know, like you joining and doing all these things. It wasn't because like the big goal, you know, was like to college. To college. It was just because your mom was pushing you. Yeah, my mom was just first. telling me like, just do this. Just do this to make yourself happy. Mm. And the push ultimately was my mom was um, my parents made it clear to me you're going to go to college mm. figure out how you're going to do that because you got to do it and yeah. because my parents valued education my both parents come from um, uh, well educated backgrounds in Mexico my dad mm. came uh, um, came with a degree from Mexico my grandparents my, my grandfather's uh, mm. you, a professor professor at university uh, at one of the top private schools in Morelia my grandmother's a nurse so I was like mm. not really like not encouraged for higher education my mom just didn't know how to access that education mm. here for me um, in the best setting interesting so when we're told like oh you're gonna graduate what are uh-huh. you gonna do after I had no idea I don't know <laughs> I don't know but I like design right yeah. and I was told okay so what do you like about design where do you want to go and that was my conversation with my high school teacher and she told and she told me like i think two weeks before graduation she's like 
like she kind of like wrote down my yeah. options it's like you have three options you can go to um Chemeketa Community College for their design program mm-hmm. that's in Salem I'm like I don't know if you can drive there mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like okay there's another community college up in Gresham called Mount Hood Community mm-hmm. College and it's just like they have the one of the well-known best designs uh, design programs outside of all the community colleges mm-hmm. you can go there this is where this other class uh, your classmate is gonna go I'm like okay or there's a third option of going to a university you know where it's costly do you know how to navigate mm-hmm. that I was like Okay, yeah. so I'm given one option. Yep. And so with that one option, my dad gave me a talk. My dad mm-hmm. and me are very close. Um, my dad gave me this talk um, a couple days before graduation. He told me, look, Brenda. I'm like, yes. He's like, you have two options here. Mm-hmm. And we weren't even talking about colleges yet. He didn't even have that discussion with me. He just said, you have two options here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can first one, figure out how to work. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to navigate, you know, earn your spot at certain positions at jobs or whatever, mm-hmm. however that looked like for you. Or number two, you can go to college, figure that out, figure out how to pay for that. Because I can't afford that. I can't pay for that. But mm. I'm letting you live for free at home. Mm. You can live at home for free. You can, f- And I will support you in whatever decision you make and whatever career you want. Uh-huh. This was a conversation my dad told me at 17 years old, two days before my graduation. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're just in it by yourself. I'm right? in it by myself, sink or swim. You're fr- and you're the oldest, yeah. so you have some high level of expectation. Mm-hmm. I'm glad my dad gave me that. I guess my only two options because that kind of made me go with my another journey to go with higher mm-hmm. education, and I made the right decision. It was another push I needed mm-hmm. that, that I think gave me the redirection of where to go. Mm-hmm. So I took the advice from my high school teacher contact this girl <laughs> i contacted her and i asked her like on graduation day mm. and she was and she, and she was a white girl she was really cool she was really calm she was catholic too she was like oh yeah cool whatever i got her number and so when 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 was it that you applied so <laughs> my dad gave me this this uh-huh. this talk he's like okay what are you gonna do i'm like i guess i have to apply for for classes and he says where are you gonna go i'm like um i'm gonna go to gresham how the hell are you going to go to Russia? I'm like, well, you don't even drive. Mm. And, you know, this is when my parents just didn't want to teach me how to drive because they wanted to They wanted to have me learn the hard lessons, how to get my own car, mm. get my own driver's license, do that whole practice. That was a whole other conversation later. Mm. But um, my dad said, how are you going to get there? I'm like, oh, I made this connection with this girl. Mm-hmm. Went to school with her. She's going to go there, whatever. And my dad's like, okay, don't you have to do certain, certain things? I'm like, yeah, I have to register. And it's like, okay, um, I'm taking you Wednesday. I'm going to drop you off at 7 a.m. I'm gonna and I'm gonna be back around five thirty in the mm. afternoon. You have all day to figure that out. Dang, <laughs> that was my. I was put in survival mode. Mm. I think that's what a lot of Latino parents or Mexican parents put you in. Mm. So when I went there, I was told like, "Oh yeah, you want to register for uh, register for Malhead." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, so you have to make an appointment another day for your counselor to you know think about what degree you want to go." No, I only have today. It's like, no, we don't have time for that. No, you're gonna have to make it today. That's gonna have to happen. I was mm. affirmative. I was like, I don't live near here. I need this to happen. And so I was like, you have to adjust. Like I was, I was not budging, and that's really ballsy for a seventeen-year-old mm. Latina. Uh, I wasn't even trying to be the feisty Latina. I was just being affirmative. I was like, I need this done, because my dad was <laughs> kind of pick me up, mm. and I don't have time to come back again. Right? You just mm-hmm. don't. Um, I had that whole situation happen. Right? Of mm-hmm. meeting my counselor, 
I, I'm glad that I knew what I wanted and I was yeah. affirmative, like, this is what I need, this is a degree, and I don't know how much money this is going to cost, but I need to get in this program. These are the classes, this is my schedule. What does that look like for me to come, right? Mm-hmm. How does that look like? <laughs> and so he, like, registered me, put me under the program, and so this was, like, my parents gave you me conversation. early. I was yeah. there early, moviéndome, like, pensando si voy a tener una carrera. No, my parents told me, figure this out. Mm. And... I, Do you think if they wouldn't have pushed you that much the way they pushed you, you'd been? <laughs> I I'm grateful that they pushed me because mm. I had to drive, but I was at the time this person who was so consumed with how she was bullied and anxious and mm. kind of nervous that that later on in my life kind of caused um, other issues in my life. But because your parents are telling you what to do, how to do it, what you need for mm-hmm. yourself to better yourself, to be this best version of yourself, I think this was what would, would you know, I guess Kobe Bryant would call it, you know, mamba mentality. You, <laughs> you move, you you believe yep. in yourself, push yourself, and that's what that was what I was put into, and I graduated at nineteen with my associates. Mm. Uh, so I graduated within those two years, and then I was like, what's the next thing? When I think about when I was going through community college, I. I was just ready for the next thing. And then I had a year of like not going to school because financial aid screwed up my information. Financial aid is its own system. I didn't discover until financial aid until like like my second trimester in school. They asked me like, why are you paying out of college? Why are you paying out of pocket for college? I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? Like you qualify for financial aid. Why haven't you applied? I'm like, because no one, no one told us. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean no one told us? I'm like, it was a conversation you heard in high school, but no one talked about it to the Latino kids. And I'm like, and at the end of the day, I'm like, you, everybody looks at me because I'm Latina, right? And so I was put in, put in this weird, like, realization, like, okay, the guy helped me out financially. He sat down with me and filled that out for me. Even though I was, the school year I had already started, I was already past the deadline. He made the exemption and he worked with me and helped me to pay for my, for my school. Mm-hmm. So there's some good people out in this world who really, like... If they see the potential in you and they see that, you know, yeah. you really want to do something, they'll help you out. And I had that experience. And when I finished my associates and I wanted to move to the next thing with um, university, again, nobody talked to me. Mm. Nobody knew how to talk to me. Like, oh, you know, it, it, even the people in the program didn't want to talk to me as a, a designer. Mm. They viewed me as like, oh, yeah, you, you know, you have your associates. That's enough for a Latino because mm. they viewed me as still as a Latina. And this was the first time in my life that I think I was aware that I am now no longer in Canby. Mm. <laughs> I am now viewed like in the world as mm, a yep. Latina or as a Mexican. Mm-hmm. And that's really, 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 really backwards for me being treated that way. And then I'm like, oh, this is what everybody else has been talking about, that they don't view you as a human sometimes. They view you as like a certain section mm. or a certain of, I don't know how to describe it. And it was really strange, but I was like, whatever, I have to keep moving. And so um, I was working at the community college in Clackamas, uh, uh, Clackamas Community College up in Oregon City. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked in their student government. Mm. Um, I was working graveyard at Fred Myers. Dang, that's insane. And I'm not done yet. And then I was taking five classes at Clackamas Community College to transfer to Portland State. And I did that up until winter term. And then I went to PSU and I asked, like, how can I get into the the graphic design program? Oh, well, we're in the middle of the year. You know, you can come in at, uh, next year as a sophomore. No, 
I need this to be done now. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, you can go talk to the person who's in charge of the program. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I took all my transcripts. I took my work. I said, I need to enter the junior, senior level of graphic design program. And this was 2016 now. And they were telling me, like, well, how are you going to do this? Like, how are you going to come into mm-hmm. the program not, you know, technically prepped yet? And I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to transfer here and be in here spring term. And I turned in my transcripts, like, make this work. Make me, I guess, do the sophomore portfolio review, which is a standard to certain design programs. Uh, I've heard about that. And so when you were in community college... Mm-hmm. Um, did you start making a portfolio or did you? I, yes. Okay. When I graduated from Mount Hood, I had a portfolio. I had work that I thought that was okay enough, mm-hmm. but I kept developing my work more. And then I told the person who was, I thought it was in charge of the program. I asked like, I got to enter mm-hmm. my spring term and I have to do the portfolio review, which by the way, I didn't know that a lot of people prep for over a year. Yeah. Um, I remember I had. That's the, all they prep for. Yeah. Basically, all, right? yeah yes. Um, I came in in January, you know, to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. I was started spring term in March and the portfolio deadline was due in May. Okay. So I had three months to prep. Uh huh. And were, and were you still working? And I, still was work, I was still working graveyard and I made it happen. Mm. <laughs> I, it's that will, right? That will I guess the will. Fun. My mom asked me, I think, because my parents didn't see me at this point. Like they were like, I would come home, sleep, go to work, school, work. I was just doing that routine. Yeah. My dad was like, Where's Brenda? And my mom, I don't know. Just let her do whatever did, she's doing. Did you, um, I know for me, I had like, you know, I had also like a routine where you're just not even thinking about it. You're, you're not thinking about it. it. You're just doing it. And I, survival mode, I think what a lot of Latino parents again teach us. Um, my mom asked me at some point, asked me like, what will happen if you don't pass the portfolio review? And I just looked at her like, let's not throw that kind of energy on the world, mom. <laughs> let's not that, think of that's that. That's not a choice. <laughs> that is not a choice. And I think I did say that to her, I think a couple of days later, like, that's not a choice. I can't think of it that way. And um, I submitted my portfolio. I accepted whatever what it was. And then I find a, found out a couple of days later that I passed. Mm. And I'm like, all right, let's keep going. And this is just to get into the program. This is to get into the program as a junior and senior level. I was just moving. And I enjoyed it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Because now that I look back, um, there's some moments I really wish I would have more um, Mm. learned from because when you're a first generation latino going to college you don't really have the time to i guess soak it in or have time to have fun or have time to hang out with friends after because you have to work you have to do other things like Mm -hmm. to i i mean my parents never had me to meet a certain standard for my parents expectations or what they wanted from me but we're also put on the pedal still to you know you know do good show a good example to your younger siblings mm-hmm. um what does this represent us as latinos in the community in society in the news of you know what i mean so mm-hmm. we were all in this like battle in yeah. a sense to try to prove ourselves yeah i just wanted to create work mm. because um when i've gone into the program and i was again again with a lot of more white peers i was like whatever i'm in the back in the same space again like mm. whatever i met a lot of people but i never could find a lot of Latinos mm. and whenever I like I find a Latino it happens all the time when I meet when I meet one I say hola buenas tardes hola que tal oh, como mm-hmm. estas because for me I I need that and I need also people to be reassured 
that they can feel, I don't know, safe with me, mm. confined in me. I don't yeah. know. And then after finishing up the, the program, when I was presenting my thesis, my mm-hmm. thesis had to do with, um, it was a magazine that I created, kind of explaining the navigation of, of Latinos, mm. of how did the American um, media influence our identities. Because a lot of us kind of, we consume we mm-hmm. consume equally music, culture, art, whatever, in whatever fashion form. We all consume American media. We all do. We kind of mm-hmm. we live in the U.S. And even when you are outside of the U.S., a lot of people consume American media to believe that the U.S. is this wonderful golden place, right? Mm-hmm. But when we when we consume American media to how Latinos are perceived, mm-hmm. how many of us fall into that? How many of us uh, let that affect us to mm-hmm. believe that's who we are in society? Yeah. Um, I did research and analyzation of that. I connected out for the first time to a lot of my Latino peers who I went to school with, even though they had, you know, bullied me and bothered Mm me. I asked them, where are they at with their journey? Did this ever affect their mental health? Had this ever affected anything about them? And this is the first time I think I was openly talking about mental health Mm -hmm. to anybody because this is a taboo conversation with people. Yeah. And I, I got some research and I did a presentation and I, my, my professors were speaking. You know, I, I like grabbed my mic again. I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done. People not knowing how to pronounce my last name right. Like mm. I'm, I'm done. Uh, and I, I had like an awakening moment with my Latino identity again. Mm. Um, it's not that I ever denied my Latino identity, but I was just like, oh my god, I did all this research. I think for me, because I think being Latino in the U.S., we're so trying to conform ourselves mm. to what. Uh, people are uncomfortable to try to pronounce their last names yeah. and or when they'll just adjust it for their own accent or own mm. sound sounding and I was just like my last name is Madrigal I think you can all pronounce <laughs> that right like and I was realizing I was taking back power mm. for me um for not feeling I think invisible yeah because of these certain things these certain microaggressions I think uh, uh-huh. or what what would we call it I realize like I need to start having conversations with people mm. about Latino experiences so um, as I I think explain to people when I'm a graphic designer when I tell them a graphic designer that focuses on like illustration um, motion graphics and art direction mm-hmm. I tell people I do all this work but I also provide the conversations of the Latino experience because not every Latino experience is the same Mm-mm. it is not something that everybody should just I think put us all in one box and we all fit in that one mm-hmm. box. It's not. Um, so if anybody ever like checks out my like my Instagram, it is literally filled up with like how is it for me to embrace my Latinoness, my Mexicanness, of mm-hmm. also embracing my American side too. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us we never know what is our version of being American here. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't until about two years ago someone told me like Brenda, do you know you're American too? Right? I'm like, yeah, I know I'm American. I'm like, but no, like. You are American, too. You have a place here. Mm. I have no idea if you don't know that, but let me remind you. Yeah. And the person who told me this was Caucasian. And why? And I think that was the first time I think I needed to hear that. I, I'm not saying that I needed validation ever, but that was the first time I heard it. Mm. And I was just like, oh, that makes sense. I don't know why I feel like Interesting, yeah. Why we sometimes feel <clears throat> lost. Dang, that's crazy. So you... So you passed, um, you passed the presentation, you mm-hmm. graduated. Mm-hmm. And so how was that journey of like, you know, like looking for the next step or like looking for the job, like a job? That how, is where, that? um, that's kind of where I've been at. Mm-hmm. I am right now freelancing as a freelancer. You get kind of random gigs with people, mm. you know, you're like, oh yeah, can you create this work? Yeah, I can do that, this and that. Um, 
but I am again kind of re reminded of putting of being put in my place, I guess, mm. by society by everybody viewing me as first Latina, then as a creator. Mm. I I don't understand this world or this realm people put me in mm. or in this bubble that you know oh she speaks spanish or she maybe we can't connect to her we, maybe she just is too latina i don't know what mm. is too latina i don't know what that looks like i don't know what that is i'm just a creator i like people to know that i'm a, a creative person that i have a mm. passion for um illustration and motion design and storytelling and art directing and i have a vision that i want to bring to life and sometimes bringing that to life is kind of the re- representation of latinos as well yeah. and in the proper representation because when you kind of see people appropriating our culture, you're agitated, you're annoyed. You're like, that's not all of us. That's not how really we're all represented. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when I think about how a lot of people in the U.S. kind of analyze what the Mexican experience or, the uh, you know, what is a Mexican in general, mm-hmm. and they think of someone either really, really uh, tan or have a heavy accent who doesn't speak uh, speak English or yeah. doesn't even have access to education. Yes, it is known that a good majority of people who immigrate here don't have access to education mm-hmm. back at their nat- uh, um, native country. But that doesn't mean that's everybody. Mm. And that doesn't mean that there's not, you know, light-skinned Latinos as well. There's not blue-dyed Latinos. There's not blonde hair. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that also exists. Mm. Um, and or seeing the... Just going back to the... The thing you were saying, like, not everyone's story is the same. Not everybody's not story is the same. Yeah. And I think that was a very, very important role to have had happen with, um, with La Pelicula de Roma, mm. with um, Yalitia. Yeah. Um, with Yalitia, because for the first time in a long time, people were re-reminded mm-hmm. of el racismo in Latino yeah. America, and especial, especialmente in Mexico, yep. el clasismo. Mm-hmm. Something that kind of what people kind of escape from Mexico from, they don't want to deal with classismo, but they still bring those same problems here, right? Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Yep. It's really weird. <laughs> you know, it's entre nosotros, like we yeah. know entre nosotros, like we still have the problems, but we yeah. just avoid them. We're like, well, no, we have another struggle here where we're trying to figure ourselves out. Fine, but when we actually confine in nuestra gente, in nuestra cultura, we find ourselves still mistreating each other and not helping each other rise. Mm-hmm. And that was a real thing, a real conversation. I think I've figured myself out too is that when i'm meeting people in the industry i was just like oh my god i need to talk about you i need to promote you mm-hmm. i also uplift a lot of my creative community as much as possible to try to tell these stories that you know i have people who who hear me out and tell me like oh my god you're exactly knowing how to express the bilingual bicultural experience mm-hmm. oh my god you are describing what was it like to watch you know spy kids mm-hmm. like i love spy kids like yeah right 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 um i was I, and that was um uh, robert rodriguez you know mm-hmm. and he's tex-mex and but he brought these stories to life as much as possible yeah. and none of us at the time thought like oh these are latino kids yeah. no these are just kids fighting to save the world mm-hmm. you know and this was one of the popular franchises for children yeah. you know what nobody really thinks about these things yeah and i want to bring up these conversations like oh remember watching you know these movies or remember watching degrassi mm-hmm. because even though a lot of us always felt excluded from the conversation. A lot of us watched the same things. I watched High School Musical. I watched Degrassi. I watched 
um, telenovelas too. And I mm. want to bridge this gap in mm. uh, in the conversations with all of us. Like, you know, you're not Mexican enough or you're not something more enough of the Latino culture or the Mexican culture or the Mexican-American culture. Mm. We should just all start to embrace these indifferences mm-hmm. because right now, what's the biggest thing that's happening right now is that we are all right now the pioneers. That means you, Miguel. <laughs> that, that means me. <laughs> because in about 20 to 30 years, we're going to have... Not even Generation Z, a little bit, a little more further out. The, the kids who are right now in elementary school and middle school are going to talk to us and they'll ask, like, what was it like to be a minority? Because mm. they're now a majority. Yeah. They'll be a majority in 20 to 30 years. And it's starting to happen now. You can start to see that there's more mixed kids. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a strange world now where learning to embrace our uniqueness, yeah. our differences, having open conversation. And I think the internet did that a lot. Mm. That's kind of when I say I'm a, I'm a creator on the on the digital platform because the internet kind of created this safe space, a safe ha- a haven for all of us, mm. specifically like Bad Bunny and, you know, like <laughs> J Balvin, because they're talking, having the conversations that a lot of us have struggled to try yeah. to have about mental health, about taking meds, mm-hmm. about um, sexuality, about yeah. f- uh, fluidity, uh, fluid- fluidity. Oh my God, I cannot even say it. And then even the conversation that everybody has a hard time with, even the word Latinx, it's a, conversation that um, I hear it and I always try to understand like how does everybody identify themselves when I say I'm Latina people kind of try to say like oh yeah you're Latina okay cool and then when people tell me why are you not using Latinx and this is where the white community kind of ask you why are you not using Latinx I'm like well this is kind of where I'm re-educating you like it is a word that we're using it Mm. is for those who want to use it. Yep. I'm not trying to trash talk and say, like, that's not the right word. I'm just saying I identify as Latina. Yeah, and Latina, maybe... yeah. And then there's guys that identify as Latinos, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and that's okay, too. Yeah. Um, it's just a new word. It's a new um, a new adaptation. Yeah, and I think it's part of, like, the conversation, you know, saying, like, one day, like, 20, 30 years from now, you know, they're going to talk to us. And it's like, you <laughs> see that process of involvement, right? Of things it's, a, it, it's evolution. It's all evolving. Because none of us, I think, like the word Hispanic, mm-hmm. even though we were kind of forced to use this yeah. word. <laughs> forced. <laughs> it feels forced. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll say, yes, I'm Hispanic because at the end of the day, it's what the census created. Yeah. And I'm waiting for it the new census. The- yeah, I hope. I'm hoping for the new census that they finally opened up the conversation. Like, it is not Hispanic. It is Latino, Latina, or Latinx. Yeah. Okay, fine, Latinx. Um, it's really difficult to want everybody to identify as Hispanic as that is a yeah. word to generalize all of Latinos from every from everywhere else in the world. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing <laughs> this. Um, and the last section is uh, La Receta. So I call it La Receta, the last yeah. section. Um, and this kind of embodies like, what are your goals, goals for yourself, um, short term, long term? And then what are the tips you could give young people of color? Any... Um, and with that, also, like, you know, what was your receta? What do you think were, you know, what were the ingredients that went into be who you are? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my goals short term, I think, is to being able to still love myself and be a kid still. Mm. Because we're all grown ups, but we're all kids and we mm. need to love ourselves and embrace ourselves and still find this inner child of ourselves, like, however that looks like yeah. in the most creative way in the most emotional way um because my short-term goals right now are um i'm dealing with my my mental health Mm. and i'm dealing with um conversations about anxiety and 
and slight yeah. depression. And that's and those are heavy topics and heavy conversations and words with people. That long term, I want people to uh, to be able to have that open discussion yeah. because the community is nowhere near where it needs to be on that conversation because we still go back to Mexico. A lot of us still go visit Mexico mm-hmm. and we go back to um, these traumatic and these traumatic cycles and these traumas, these these cycles of not break and you know breaking them. Mm-hmm. And I, and we all go back, and we all know what's going on over there. But then we're like, oh, well, está en México. Eh. Y en México, pues, están aquí, aquí todo tranquilo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. I want the community to uplift itself. Stop tirándonos. Because like, entre yeah. nosotros también lo sabemos que none of us know how to support one another. When we see somebody making it or somebody getting there, yeah. and we want that. But instead of helping each other, we... Nos tiramos en especialmente más mexicanos. I don't yeah. know why, but we do it. <laughs> yep. And I don't want to see the culture going in that direction. I want the culture to start embracing and understanding that, you know, you do have access to conversations to about mental health, mm-hmm. going to your counselors and talking about that and asking for help, even though it's scary, even though it's something that you don't understand. Um, it is something to help you out. Um, those are where one of the tips and and tricks I wish I, someone would have told me yeah. when I was going through school um, because now I'm figuring this out as an adult. Mm. Um, but don't take yourself too seriously, too. It's okay to be a kid and uh, being okay with, you know, that you're all figuring it out, uh, out because nobody knows all the right answers mm. as well. And I think strive to be the best version of yourself. Mm. I mean, that's what Beyonce does. I mean, I'm trying to be Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good way to put it. We all we all want to be, you know, the Beyonce's and JLo's of this world. I mean, J- JLo's 50 and killing it still. Mm. And I think... I can see myself doing that with mm. my own career, with my own, where I want to be at with my career. I want to be designing and development like at big companies like, you know, Widen mm. or like Instrument or, you know, wherever, yeah. even Swift, because I want to be able to provide content and creativity. And I want the younger generation to understand that, you know, you can do it too. Cool. As long as you put, you know, the mentality, the the push and the drive and you believe in yourself, you can go anywhere. Cool. Don't let the haters bring you down. <laughs> haters going to hate. <laughs> haters going to hate. I mean, I mean that's kind of one of the things I learned yeah. long term. And I'm hoping that that we all rise up. We all rise up to the occasion to um for any career, for anything we want because I think the Latino population is not only going to double, will be the majority in mm, 30 years. Yeah. So I'm excited. Cool. Um well thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Being the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, coming um, here. I need. I needed. I think to vent out. <laughs> no, <laughs> Understand? Hey, if anybody else wants to vent out, let me know. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Um, and yeah. Um, if you guys can, I say my Instagram. Yeah, or whatever. go for it, and I'll I'll make sure that I'll tag it in the post too. Yeah, no problem. Um, so um, I am Brenda Madrigal. I am on Instagram uh, as La Chica MX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and on. If you want to see and check out my work, you can always check it out at brendamadrigal.com um, where you can see the kind of work I do. Cool. And we'll make sure to add that on the post. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. La Receta is produced by myself, Miguel Lopez Ixta, Sarita Wesley, and Lucy Dwyer from Wyden and Kennedy. Sound editing by Natalie Hazenga for Joint Editorial.